Good morning, everyone. Such a beautiful day we have together. Will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious God, upholding justice and showing mercy. Lord, we have all fallen short of your glory. We've all sinned and gone our own way instead of following you. Thank you for sending Jesus to set all things right by his life, death, and resurrection. Lord, continue to shape, to, to save us, to draw us closer to you. Shape us more and more into Christ's image so that we participate in what you are doing in the world to make all things new. I ask all these things in Christ's name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, in our sermon series, we are walking through the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome. Uh, and we invite you always um, to bring along your Bible from home or to you know, get out your Bible app if you have that on your phone so you can follow right along as we are walking through this masterpiece of Paul's. Uh, the first Sunday of this series, I showed you a clip from a video by the Bible Project. Uh, they have created posters like this for every book of the Bible, and uh, then they illustri illustrate them, they bring them to life with videos, uh, little teaching videos that walk through the flow of each book or letter in this case. Well, I love in that video how Paul, they, they talk about and explain those two difficult words uh, that Paul uses a lot in this passage, righteousness and justification. Uh, they're words that we don't typically use in our day-to-day -day conversations, and so we need to look at what is he really talking about here. So first of all, righteousness. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 17, Paul says that the gospel reveals God's righteousness. First of all, righteousness is an attribute of God. Some, it's part of who God is. That God always does what is just and right, and that he is faithful to his promises. God made a covenant, a promise to Israel to use them to bless and redeem the entire world. They didn't remain faithful to the covenant, but God does. Through his faithfulness to his promises, God is rescuing all of creation from evil, from corruption, from disintegration. He's rescuing us from sin and death. God brings, so, so God is righteous, but he also brings about righteousness in the world. He sets things right. God has already begun to do this, and all of creation eagerly awaits its completion. It isn't through our obedience to the law, however, that things are set right. In fact, Paul specifically says, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So there's two aspects of righteousness. God's own righteousness and the righteousness that God gives to us. 
God is righteous. He does what is just and right and is faithful to his promises. And he makes us righteous through Christ. Through what Jesus has done, God sets us right with himself. When Martin Luther was writing his small catechism, his little teaching booklet for parents to teach the basics of the faith to their kids, uh, he got to the part where he was explaining the, uh, the Apostles' Creed. And when he got to the spot where it says, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, he, he then explained it. He said, well, what does it mean to say that Jesus is our Lord? He says, he has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person. He has purchased and freed me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his innocent suffering and death. What Jesus has done leads us to live in ways that help bring about the kingdom rule of God, his right rule in our lives and in the world. Luther goes on to say, he has done all this that I might belong to him, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in eternal righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. God calls us to live under his rule, here and now, and into eternity. Now, God makes us righteous, not self-righteous. <laughs> Some people think that being a Christian is you know, about being kind of holier than thou, uh, kind of, you know, nose up in the air and saying, I've got it all together and you don't. But that's really not what righteousness is. In Hebrew, the, the word for righteousness is tzedek. And it has to do with integrity, equity, justice, and straightness. In fact, if you take your car to an Israeli mechanic and he tunes the engine and then listens to it, and, and it's running real smooth, he might say, Tzedek, that's how it's supposed to sound. That's how it's supposed to, to run. Or if somebody pulls up to your house in, you know, on a, a really sweet motorcycle, uh, you, know, you might say, dude, that bike is righteous. <laughs> And, and that's actually pretty close to it, because not only does it look good, but it is a smooth-running, well-oiled machine that will get you to your destination with authority, because <laughs> it's running exactly the way that it's supposed to. That's what righteousness is. Um, it's Righteousness is not an achievement or possession. It's a gift from God. Righteousness describes when your relationships are going well, when you're at peace, at your work, and in your family, when everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Then you are experiencing tzedakah. Well, in Greek the word that Paul uses is dikaios, which means approved or acceptable to God. 
It also has to do with integrity, rightness, and purity of life in how you think and feel and act. Being dikaios, righteous, can also mean being vindicated in the eyes of the court. Uh, It's both a legal status and a behavior that led to that status. You know, if a judge declares you to be in the right, then it's because you did the right thing. Righteousness is also the activity of the judge. It's upholding the law, judging rightly, not being swayed by the rich or powerful, but faithfully bringing justice that is honorable and fair. That's why our supreme, uh, the members of the Supreme Court are called justices, because they are supposed to do justice and uphold justice. Now, if something is unjust, if it is adikaios, then it is not the way it's supposed to be. Sin and evil are a form of injustice. It's something that tears apart the fabric of society. We've seen so much of that this year, where years and decades and generations of injustice have come to the forefront, and people have stood up and said, enough! We cannot live this way anymore. We cannot treat each other differently based on our skin color. When God looks at the world, he sees that justice needs to be done. Not just punishment, but setting things right. DC Comics and their movies, you know, have the the Justice League, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, and those superheroes not only punish wrongdoers, but they also set things right. Superman not only gets the people out of the jet that's falling out of the sky, but he actually catches the jet and sets it down properly. And Spider-Man, you know, um, grabs the two halves of this boat that's split apart and brings them back together. They're setting things right, making the world a better place. Now, our superheroes are a, just, just a shadow of what God does to bring about justice and rightness in the world. The ancient um, Romans actually had a temple to the goddess of justice, the goddess Justitia, they called her. Uh, and they, they thought that Rome was the capital of justice, that they were the source from which justice would flow to the entire world. We have to ask ourselves, do we share the same arrogance, thinking that our nation is the source of everything that is good? In his letter to the Christians in Rome, Paul says, if you're looking for justice, you won't find it in the empire. You won't find it in human forms of government. You won't find it in the gospel of Caesar as Lord, but in the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah. God works through his covenants to bring justice in the world, to set all things right. This is the deep, rich justice that the writers of the Psalms longed for and the prophets proclaimed. 
if, if you read through Isaiah, the whole second half of the book, chapters 40 and on, are this vision of God bringing justice and restoring creation. When God's righteousness is revealed, all things will be restored. When you watch the news today, you see how much we need restoration. Our world is out of whack. There's violence, injustice, pollution, disasters, both natural and man-made. People are messed up, and we are messing up creation. We need someone to pull us back into line. We need to be justified. And here's the second big word that Paul uses in this passage. Uh, now, to, be, to justify something is not, he's not using it in the way that we sometimes say to make an excuse to justify our bad behavior. You know that old song, uh, go ahead and hate your neighbor, go ahead and cheat a friend, do it in the name of heaven, you can justify it in the end. You can make an excuse for it. That's not what Paul's talking about here. The way that he's discussing, he's talking about that is a little bit more like if you're reading, a, if you're reading words on a page that are lined up on the left, but they're also lined up on the right. The, the text, the, the words have been spread out properly so that they're in right alignment with each other, both on the left and on the right. Uh, the words have been brought into the right relationship with the edges of the page. That's what God is doing. God is just, but he also justifies, he brings into right relationship everyone who trusts in Christ. Another way you can think of it is um, if I'm justified, it becomes as if it becomes just as if I'd never sinned. But justice is way bigger than just me and God. It's not just about, okay, I've accepted Jesus and now I'm all good. It's also about God making all things just, making all things right starting with you and me. However, that is not going to happen through the law. Paul says in verse 28, uh, we maintain, whoop, went the wrong way, we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Now, you can just imagine the Jewish community's response to this. What do you mean? Not by the law. God gave us the law. He gave us the Torah, the Ten Commandments, the first five books of the Bible, the core of our scriptures, so that we can live, so that we can do what God calls us to do. Psalm 119 says, Blessed are they who walk according to the law of the Lord. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I treasure your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Paul used to think exactly that way himself. 
he was a Pharisee, one who tried to follow the law to the nth degree. But his experience with Jesus deeply unchanged the way that he understood how the law works. Um, in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, The Message, uh, he phrases Paul saying in verse 20 of chapter 3, our involvement with God's revelation doesn't put us right with God. What it does is force us to face our complicity in everyone else's sin. The law points out where we've fallen short. It's like those automated speed limit signs. You know, you see those pulling into Roland, um, that it shows the limit and what your actual speed is. And if you're going fast, it flashes at you. And if you're going really fast, it even puts up like strobes to catch your attention. That's what God's law does as well. It flashes a warning in our face. It shows us how far short we've fallen of what God wants in our lives and in our world. But speed limit signs can't prevent you from tromping on the accelerator again. They may bring a little fear in, you know, into your heart for a little while. You know, you maybe start looking in the rearview mirror a little bit. Oh man, am I being followed? But they don't change your heart. That has to happen another way. In verse 23 and 24 of the message, Paul goes on to say, since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God has been faithful to his promise to save the whole world. Paul says the gospel is for everyone. God wants to bring people together in Christ. He's created a new family of believers that includes both Jews and Gentiles. No tribe or nation has a corner on God. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. In verse 31, in the message it goes on to say, but by shifting our focus from what we do, from what we do to what God does, don't we cancel out all our careful keeping of the rules and ways God commanded? Not at all. What happens, in fact, is that by putting that entire way of life in its proper place, we confirm it. The law and the gospel work together. Where the law condemns, the gospel sets free. Where the law accuses, the gospel vindicates. Where the law puts us to death, the gospel brings us to life. We talked about that in our, our Bible study this morning, how for kids to thrive, they need to have both proper boundaries and love and acceptance. There needs to be accountability and grace. 
God's mercy and God's love together. Here's the good news, which starts with some bad news. You are a sinner. You have fallen short of God's desire for your life. You deserve only death. But Christ has come to give his life for yours, to set you right with God. Jesus says, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. It's illustrated here on the Bible Project poster. The good news is that Jesus became what we are, trapped and guilty, so that we could become what he is. In Christ, we are justified. We are given a new status. We're set right with God and forgiven. We're given a new family. We're included in God's people. And we're given a new future. We live a transformed life by God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we will pick up in chapter 4, where Paul talks about the true children of Abraham, who was declared righteous by his faith in God's promise. Abraham and Sarah's family has gotten a whole lot bigger. It includes everyone who has faith in the one who fulfilled God's promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have not left us in our sin, in our brokenness and pain, but that you sent Jesus to take on our sin, to die our death, and to raise us to life. Lord, continue to shape us more and more into his image, to make us, to make our lives look like him. Use us to be part of your work of reconciling the world and making all things new. We ask this in Christ's name through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.